Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome back to another episode of One of These Years. I'm, of course, Nick Baumwerner, joined by Colton Pouncey. Don't really have a fancy intro, Colton. That was an ass-kicking by the Lions on Sunday. 40-14. to 14. Um, I I don't know what the what the timeline is on like what the most lopsided whatever, but that was as impressive a Lions win, regardless of opponent, um, probably since Caldwell, I'd say, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Uh, I guess first and foremost, how we doing? And uh, welcome back to the show here this week. Yeah, doing well. Uh, I think I looked it up after the game. That was the, I think in the last ten seasons they've only had three games where they've outscored an opponent by more points. You know? but, so that's yeah, or you know, the margin of victory is <laughs> pretty good. Um, so <laughs> that's saying a lot, man. And that's that was by far like the cleanest game of yeah. the Campbell era. Like there's really no sweating it at any point in that game. Um, and that's one of those comfortable wins where we, at first we talked about the close wins. Can you overcome those you know, late game situations? This one, this one, they didn't really need to. You know, they right. won by 26 points. It was never really in danger. And I'm sure the fans left happy and comfortable after that one. You'd said at one point in the middle something that I was actually feeling the same way. You were like, this is boring. And it was. Yeah. And it was they were <laughs> up. Um, they, they were up. I don't know what it was. But they were clearly in front. They were in front the whole way. Uh, and it was by a couple scores, you know, and it was like, and they were just firmly in control and they weren't really doing anything that we hadn't seen before. And you, you know, you'd said that. I was like, you know, you're right. It, this is boring. And that's good. <laughs> I was like, that's <laughs> a good, good thing for a change for them. It's like the first time they've had a boring win. It felt like watching. Yeah, you're right. It felt like watching like a college game. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Where you'd see a team that was just like getting physically dominated. The opposite of some games we'd see were the Lions. Uh, had been hapless or what have you. And that's a Jacksonville team that's really talented, but also really young. And, you know, you understand that sort of thing. Um, but it's just like, yeah, that's, that is different. And to me, that was why I circled that game. That was why when we talked last week, um, you know, I said, I want to see how they respond in this game right here, because this is, they are the Jaguars. They're a little bit older, Right. They're a yep. little bit um, in, 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 in the right spots. They actually might be a younger team than Jacksonville. I'm not sure. But they're a little bit older in the right spots. And I thought they're a little bit better. And I, you know, But I want to see it. And, oh, they're not just a little bit better. I thought they're a lot bit better. And that's why you know, I wrote this week and we talked, um, mm-hmm. comfortable saying it. You know, like They've turned a corner here. This is not the same group that we saw at the end of last year or the middle of last year or even the start of this year. This is a different... Team, and I don't know what all that means. I don't know what that means going forward, and it might be too late, you know, this year for it to mean anything. But you can tell, right, Colton? I mean, you're there every day. You can sense from these guys. I was standing over there next to Hutchinson, um, and someone asked him about, does this feel like, because they asked him about the Michigan Big Ten game. And then somebody's like, well, speaking of that, does that, does this feel like it felt when you were, you know, like AG talked about, you wake up in the morning and, 
you go, you're ready to win a game. And he was like, that, yes. He's like, this is what this is starting to feel like again. And it's really cool <laughs> because I did not expect this. So, I mean, yeah, I would ask you, you know, your sort of reaction to a similar, you know, similar take here because this does feel like a team that's growing and it's kind of hard to ignore at this point. It definitely does. And I'll say one example of that was uh, Wednesday's availability. That was the most packed I've seen the Lions media yeah. room and since training camp the first day, like when Hard Knocks was there. Like, you didn't I have a like, seat? Whoa. <laughs> would, yeah. I was like, my seat got jacked. I got to move around. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I was asking some people about that. And they're just like, I mean, yeah, I can't remember the last time it was this packed in like December. Wow. Um, yes. But, I mean, good that's, point. Just, that's mm-hmm. a product of what they're doing and the games that they're winning. And, you may look at the opponents and say, oh, the Jaguars, the Bears, the Packers, it's not impressive. But mm-hmm. if they had lost those games, you would still be saying, oh, same old Lions. So, Absolutely. You know, I, th- I think that's progress. I think that's a step in the right direction. And, I mean, when we see a team, and again, we talked about this last week, a team that was on paper kind of even with the Jaguars. Campbell said that himself. In yep. a lot of ways, they're kind of like us. He said that even after the game. Yep. Um, when you see that big of a discrepancy in play, um, you know, I think they only had – Maybe one penalty that entire game the Lions yeah, made. Yep. Zero turnovers. Um, defense only gave up 14 points. The offense scored on every meaningful possession except for Nate Sudfield coming in at the end taking a knee. You know, right. Like that's <laughs> Which is what you want. Game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't like that to me is like, okay, you have a team that's even with you and you go out and you dominate it. Like mm-hmm. that is – I was kind of curious to see what they would do after the Bills game. Um, we've seen them, you know, not be able to get over the top against some of these teams – um, so I was curious to see, okay, you're playing a team that's kind of on your level. What do you do with that? Yeah. And I know that the Great. NFL, yeah. we talked about this, the NFL is, has, every team has talent, so any team can lose. Right. But mm-hmm. I was curious. I was like, if the Lions go out there and they dominate, I think that's a, that's a sign. And they did that and they won 40 to 14. And yeah, I mean, that was really impressive outing and probably one of the best games of Campbell's era for sure. Being the more mature young team, I guess, right? Because, yeah. like, that's what it had come down to. Because, I, I mean, when I look back at it, and this is the case for a couple of Lions games, too, I don't think Jacksonville, I would say, played bad. Like, they didn't play good. But I don't think they played, like, that wasn't their worst game. They just got beat by a team that was playing well and didn't play poorly on their own. Yeah. And we've seen this Lions group, Campbell's Lions group, go through that exact thing Jacksonville just went through. Even this year, people have, you know, I went back this week and, um, did a lot of, I looked at several games from, you know, the losing streak and then, you know, looked at stuff uh, since in the last couple. And a lot of people have pointed to that New England game as like one that they just cannot explain away. What the hell happened there? Why was that <laughs> such a mess? Right. And there's a lot of reasons for that, but like more than anything else, it was just like, I don't think that the lions that day played poorly. They just made a couple like really bad errors at really bad times and a not bad team took advantage and blew them out. And like, that's what they're now doing. And it's like, that to me is a graduation. Like you talked, Deuce talked about that at the beginning of the year, Everybody has to graduate every year. Right. That to me is a graduation from like bottom quarter to like, now you're, you're flirting in the middle. Like that, that's what they're, they, they feel like they're back to flirting in the middle because when you talked about the game being boring, it reminded me of like, you're 100% right because we have seen this offense operate like this for long stretches of games almost every week all year. Mm-hmm. But most weeks there'd be something that they would do that, you know, would would 
screw them or whatever, or the defense would not have their whatever in time. This was the first yeah. time that it all came together, and you were like, okay, this is what they can do when they're clean, and that is pretty good. That's playoff-level yeah. football. Uh, it, you'd have to be blind or wanting to see something different to uh, <laughs> to say anything otherwise, right? I, I just yeah. I understand the, the, the fans... You know, and I got a lot of that from this week. I even saw my dad, Colton, yesterday, and he was like, I don't know about all this, right? And I'm like, I get it. I 100% get it. Because you've seen stuff that you can't unsee. But when I say that I feel like this is different, that's why. Because I, I, there, it's a different staff. Um, and I just don't think it's the same. I don't think we've really seen a staff like this. Um, in my lifetime, coaching the Lions, it's a very different staff. And whether or not that means, they will be a you know the answer to everyone's problems. I don't know, but I think it's time people start acknowledging. Right, um, it's a different yep. group, and Campbell's a pretty good coach. I think he's got potential to be a pretty good coach. I think we'll say right. I think that's what we can say at this point. Absolutely, I think that's fair. And it's funny because like when you're watching that game, the first half you're like, wow, that was that was a pretty impressive first half. Mm-hmm. I got some tweets like. All right, so what's going to happen in the second half? Like, what, when it's yeah, going to go? Right. Well, okay, here we go. The other right? team's yeah. away. Something's going <laughs> to yeah. happen here. Like, I'm just waiting for the inevitable yep. other shoe to drop. And it never happened. Like, it didn't. It, yeah. It, it didn't. For a change. Like, it, was, it didn't come close. <laughs> that one was start to finish, like, wire to wire, a win, a dominant mm-hmm. win. And Campbell, I think he said on Wednesday, um, we needed that losing streak to get to where we are now. Hundred um, percent. Yeah. You know, I think it allowed a lot of people to look up, look at themselves in the mirror um, and say, you know, we've been talking this talk, but it's time to back it up. If we really think that we are ready to take a, you know, turn the corner, take the next step, whatever you want to call it, you got to go out and do it. You know, they're competitive against some really good teams to start the season, but they had nothing to show for it, right? So I think yep. they kind of realized we just got to win some of these games. That's the only way we'll get the respect. You know, Taylor Decker talking about. You know, even after the Thanksgiving loss, we're going to go out and we're going to earn that respect. This is not mm-hmm. the same effing old Lions anymore. Right. Um, so for him to kind of, you know, the Campbell to say that, I think that kind of shows you where they're at now. Because I don't think he would say he would have said that a few weeks ago. Like, yeah, this losing streak is a good thing for us. You can't say that in the middle of it. But he saw 100%, yeah. greater things down the road. Um, he saw the way that his team was competing in these games. And he thought it was only a matter of time before they pulled some of these out. And now they won four of their last five. They're five and seven. They went from the number one draft pick to now 15th. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty good. Pretty I good. Mean, I think you still got the Rams pick up there, so that's pretty good. And, um, you know, I think they like the way they're playing. And right now I feel like they think they can beat any team in the league at this point. I mean, mm-hmm. the last five games are not hard. And No! You know, yeah, that's a great point. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not really like, oh, I'm, I should be scared of this game. You know, like the Vikings, yeah. they almost beat them in the first time. They probably should have beat them the first time around. So... Um, they've got a schedule that allows them to kind of set up for a strong finish here. And if that happens, they'll enter 2023 with some serious momentum. It's interesting. You know, we talk about growth um, across the board. And you mentioned some things there that reminded me about Campbell's growth. And just the point right there that you made about not not freaking out and like acting like y'all need to shut up when it was <laughs> one in five or six or whatever it was. Yep. Because, you know, I've been watching football a long time. Um, obviously, uh, and context, there's not a, I don't think there's another sport in our country where context is more important and more ignored than NFL football, like mm-hmm. on a, at a granular level, right? To a point where coaches know it now. You can even, you know, when that's when you hear the whole thing about like, you know, we're hurt, you know, this guy's hurt. What are you going to do about it? Uh, nobody cares, 
right? And they say that all the time, right? And people are like, well, that's pretty callous. I'm like, well, it's true. Nobody cares. No one gives a shit what we're going through on a day-to-day basis. They just expect us to come out there on Sunday and get it done, okay? So you have to, as a coach, I think, grow to that level. And you could see it with Campbell even. Like, last year, we would hear him talk week to week about, like, there'd be manic moments where he'd be talking about, like, every little thing that was going through his mind and... (laughs) This, that, and the other. And then as time goes on, you can sort of see that, like, he's like, you guys, these people don't care about any of this. They don't care that we have to, that our plight is what it is. They just want to see what we do out there. And I think that even he has grown. And we've talked about that, I know, a little bit. But, I mean, you're there every day. I mean, I, I want to ask you, the the growth mm-hmm. that you've seen from Dan Campbell in three months, whatever it's been, to me, I think this has been as important for Dan Campbell, the head coach, as any other person probably in the entire building. Yeah, he looks like a different dude, even from mid-season 100%. where they are now. Um, his body language is better. And, you know, some of that comes with wins. But, yeah, you know, he even during that losing streak, it was after the Patriots game, after the Cowboys game, he was saying, I just feel like we're close. You know, like, I just feel like if we get some of our horses back, we mm-hmm. stay consistent, we do what we do. Like, we'll be all right. And at that point, a lot of people were just rolling their eyes and, you know, writing him off already and ready to yep. fire him, um, like, halfway through the second season. But um, when he was saying that, I will say the body language wasn't exactly there. He was It was almost like he was trying to, like, convince, convince himself. himself yep. And, you know, the from that point to where he is now, these wins have offered some validation for him. Where mm-hmm. I feel like even he's saying, okay, I'm not as crazy as I thought. You know, exactly, like, I, man. What I'm yes. seeing on, on paper and in my head is finally translating to the field. Like, yeah. this is working. And I think that's so important for his growth as mm-hmm. a second-year head coach and where he's at with his franchise. And just to see the way that the team is playing and they're kind of taking after him and taking on his identity in a lot of ways. Yeah. And everything that he said at his intro presser. You know, we're going to be a tough out. We're going to bite you on the, in the kneecap yeah, comment. Right. We're, we're going to be a tough get out. Down. We're going to bite you on come back up. Like, they are a tough out for any team in this league. Mm-hmm. The Eagles can say the same thing. Um, the Vikings can say that. Seahawks. The Cowboys. The Seahawks. Yeah. Like, they play these games so competitively, so tough. And they're not there talent-wise yet, but I think he sees where this thing is going. And that's why on Wednesday and even Monday, I thought this was his best week as a head coach in terms of the media, mm-hmm. um, his, his availability. He's look, he looks mm. so confident up there. He looks like he's cracking jokes. He's like, yeah, I know <laughs> I was fired at midseason, but here we are now. Yeah. And it's like, good for you. And I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. There you go. I mean, you, can, you can do that when you want four out of five and your team is playing the way it is. You know? Right. And I think that's good. I think that's going to rub off on the players too um, when they hear that stuff. Because, it, again, it's validation for what he's done, what they're doing, and where they're going. And so I look at Dan Campbell right now. He's just really – Kind of finding himself as a head coach, I think. Yeah, great um, point. Still not always perfect, but, you know, he's getting there. And as the roster and the talent improves, I think he's going to have more to work with. And you can see where this thing is going. There's there's a plan here in place. The the, uh, the ultimate difference, I guess, in, in, in whether or not a uh, promising or encouraging young coach turns into somebody that is sustainable is what you do after this point, I guess. But it is still really cool and to see and Campbell, I guess it's interesting because he everything is on the sleeve with that guy. He can't hide it if he wanted no. to, right? So you see these processes play out in real time that I think all coaches probably go through, but you just nailed it where you were like, there, there's not a head coach in the league at some level or a coach in general who's had an assignment that's been greater than just like your position, where you're responsible for coming up with ideas and decisions. 
And at some point, you feel like you're nuts. And then <laughs> you see that, like, maybe I'm not... Hey, maybe I'm not fucking nuts. Maybe this actually works. And maybe you can all go to hell. And then everything yep. from there <laughs> takes off. For some guys, that happens, like, right away. Jim Harbaugh, I don't think, ever doubted himself a minute in his life. But, like, yeah. other coaches <laughs> out there, it takes a little longer. And I think that Dan is now to the point where it's like... He's like, I'm not nuts. I know football. Uh, you know, I'm not going to doubt what we're doing anymore. Even if he did or didn't, I don't know. But you're 100% right on that. Like, there's no no doubt anymore. And I don't know that there was. I don't, I think they actually did a pretty good job there of not not looking like they were, you know, the pleasant firing I could probably construed that way if they didn't maybe have some conversations, which they probably did. Sure. But I didn't see a lot of panic, man. I, I saw, like Campbell said the other day to you guys, I saw a consistent person. I saw the same guy. You know, he yeah. was fighting it. And there were some weeks where it was harder than others. But I saw the same guy. And that's what a head coach is supposed to do. Day to day, yeah. week to week. He weathered the storm. Like, that's probably yeah. the best way to put 100%. it. 100%. Like, yep. Back then, he was getting questions about his job security. Sheila came out and talked. And that was the whole thing. Can Brad and, fire you? Yeah. yeah. Remember that one? All, yeah. yeah that, all of that. <laughs> So I'm sure that's tough, and I'm sure he kind of and he said, "Look, I don't I don't read everything, but I see some things." You oh know? yeah, he sees all that. Yeah, yeah, and it's like I'm, I'm sure he was dealing with that, but again, like other than some body language stuff and maybe like just trying to will that into existence, which I think was the right move. You know, his message to his players internally never changed, and he was that same guy, and he felt that was important because he's been around other coaches that have you know had some tough times and turned things around or whatever because. Mm-hmm. Parcel, Sean Payton, he's been around some good coaches, man. Like this guy oh, yeah. has been in this game for a long time. He's kind of seen it all. So his best approach was, I'm going to be myself. I'm going to keep preaching what I've been preaching. I don't think that we've been, you know, it, I don't think the games that we've been playing, we're so out of it that we should scrap mm-hmm. everything. We're close. Nope. nope. So let's continue what we're, what we're doing and these wins will come. And we'll, yep. we'll be confident in that. And that's exactly what happened. And now he can go up there and he can – kind of show some confidence and just say, look, I was, every time someone asks him, it feels like every press conference now, like people are trying to figure out like, what's different? Like what's, what's been the big change for this turnaround? He's like, I mean, honestly, nothing like it's just, we're winning. They're playing the same stuff. Yep. They are. Um, That's not scheme. It's not like they changed their whole defense or their entire offense. Like they got a little healthier. They got some dudes back and they kept playing their style of football and they Mm -hmm. knew eventually that would lead to some wins. So Sign of a bad coach is a guy or gal who will not change when things are clearly going wrong. And the sign of a good coach is someone um, who won't change when things are clearly going right, even if the results aren't what they're supposed to be. And that is true coaching to me. Like that's a sign. That's why I like I like his chances. I've liked Dan Campbell's chances from the start because I think that he gets it. I think that that is you know all the flaws of somebody like a Parcells um, over the years. And he's not a perfect coach, but like the reason why that, that worked like it did when you talked to all the people that played for him, that which includes, you know, AG and Campbell and a lot of these guys is like, he was the same guy every single day, every day, all year. It never changed. It never turned yeah. off. It never went away. Like it was always <laughs> the same. You just have to live it. You have to, that, ha- and that means that that just has to be who you are. That means that like, and, and when you, Bill Parcells is a guy that used to, you know, sit in the office 20 hours a day and have uh, meetings with beat writers in the middle of the night, smoking cigarettes with them because he never left the building. He was just there all day. It was football. I feel like that's Dan Campbell is like a natural football coach who has to learn 
how to be a manager of a game. And I think that that's where they're at still. And that ultimately will be what determines his success in this league. Because there's a lot of really good football coaches that have come through the league that have just gotten their ass kicked and they get crapped out and they end up being really good coaches for a long time somewhere else. Like, yeah. and that's, he'll be in the NFL for as long as, as he wants to be. We know that. You and I oh, yeah. know that. Yeah. But the general, how you're going to succeed now, it depends on can you grow into those decision-making moments week to week. And I feel like we're seeing some of that, but it's still, that is something where I feel like now the test really ramps up. Because now, like we've talked, we're going to talk about a minute here, they're going to play a real game here against a real team. And it actually doesn't, it's not irrelevant. It matters. There's no steps back that you can't take now. That was something else I want to touch you about. At this point, like we can't see a reversal here. You can see a hiccup, but you we cannot see, like you just mentioned it, the schedule is not impossible. It's not ridiculous. There should be a strong finish to this season, and anything anything you know less than would be disappointing. I think at this point, it would. I actually wrote my my game story from Sunday. Like, imagine if the Lions lost that game to the Jaguars. So right, you have you have this three game winning streak. What would that feel like exactly? Then you lose to the Bills on some late game management people issues. <laughs> people, yeah. Um, then you come back the next week and you lose to a Jaguars team that you probably should have beat. Mm-hmm. And then you got the Vikings at home, a ten and two team that's trying to lock down the division. If you lose yeah. that one, you go God. from three wins in a row to three losses in a row. And that's like, you can't have this up and down at this point. So yeah. that's why I thought that win was so important. And now to come back with this Vikings game, like talk about a missed opportunity with the Bills game. This is huge. Like, and, and Dan is not shying away from that. He said mm-hmm. on, on Monday, like, you know, no, this is a big game. Like we feel mm-hmm. it. It almost feels like a playoff game in some ways. Um, right. It's not, not for the Lions. Yeah. Play. I mean, right. I still don't think they're going to be making a playoff push down the no. stretch, but uh, it, it has that sort of environment. I think Ford Field is going to be rocking on Sunday just because it's yeah. a division rival, a 10-2 and two team. You have a chance to kind of really make a statement with a win like this. And, um, you know, you get to 6-7 and seven, beating that team. Like, that's – man. Right. <laughs> you got, yeah, you got that's what I'm saying. Like, it's, games. When, yeah. when, you, when we're talking about – this is the this is what it is. And, and that's why I like – I like and I don't like because Campbell has never, he's never not trying. Mean, if he does any pandering, it's to the local people, right? He doesn't pander to the national <laughs> people. If he does yeah. any pandering, it's to the people here because he understands what they've been through. Like, hey, a game in December at your building against a divisional team that's not not totally mathematical irrelevant. It's not yeah. mathematically irrelevant, right? That's not nothing. That's something. That for where they were, oh my god. Like Patricia was a disaster every day. Yeah. We've been over this. Like it's been since 2017 since they have played in a game in December. That was Stafford's entire thing, right? Like just get me to a situation where I'm playing in a game in December that's not like pointless. That's not <laughs> that I'm not for just the like season Yeah, time? that's not just a health risk to me. <laughs> like yeah. we're suiting up because we used yeah. to ask him like Matthew, you were hurt today. Why did you play? And he's like, because I'm an NFL quarterback and that's my job. Like, to be in a game that's not meaningless and um, to embrace that and not, like, I'm, I hate to bring up Patricia again, but if that had happened there, he'd be like, well, it's not a, it's just another, it's just another game. We're not oh, going to talk about any other, uh, you know. No, this is not just another game. Camp, what Come Campbell on. say, Colton? <laughs> this is why guys like me get into coaching, for God's yes. sake. Like, yes. that's what you want to hear, right? Yes. Yes, I want a coach that's going to go out there and make it, blow it up. If you lose, whatever. Yes, but like, whatever. I want you to make it a big deal. I want you to 
realize it's the damn the NFL, man. <laughs> and I know that people will say, oh, they're five and seven. I don't care. It's meaning, meaningful football in December. Like, how many times can you I say agree. that's happened the last five, ten years? You know? So that, that to me is what you want to hear from head coach like Dan Campbell. He said this place can be special, mm-hmm. but it's up to us to make it that way. It's up to us mm-hmm. to keep winning. And he understands that. And, you know, I thought that was interesting for him to say. Um, you know, he understands that. It's on the team. The, the, yeah. the fans are going to come. If you if you show that you can be competitive in these games, you show that you can win them, the fans will be there. That's not the issue. Um, right. It's on you to kind of create that environment. And this game will have it for sure. Like, this Absolutely. might be – where do you think this game will rank in terms of atmosphere that we see? This would be season? like the opener, I think. Yeah, that's um, what I was thinking. You know, or like Thanksgiving uh, was uh, rocking, I'm sure, too. But like the opener is that is that one every year that you're like – Okay, the hope's going to be there. You know, even there, if it's not, you got a problem, right? Like yeah. that's kind of the, the the barometer for Lions fans. And this year, the hope was it was people remember that were even especially people a lot of them listen to this show. They were at that game when yeah. that ball kicked off the opening. You know, in that first drive, the defense was out there it was, it was rocking. That's yeah. what I would expect this to be. And I and I think that that's why Detroit fans um, they just want that opportunity because everybody always gets surprised. They always get surprised. Oh my God, it's really loud in here. Holy shit. Like this place can really get going, you know? And it's like, well, yes, this place. Yeah, that was Colton. (laughs) And now you're not going to be surprised, but like people, you know, yeah. I mean, if you give them a chance to stand up and and yell for you, they'll do it, you know, but you have to give them a chance. And that's why when Campbell says that, you know, that's cool. And they're going to get a good crowd. I expect that will happen. It'll be a good atmosphere. And like you said, um, and we'll talk about that here in a second on the other side of the break. You know, they've fought every team they've played. This is a 10-2 team that they had on the ropes in Minneapolis. So yep. a game they can win, a game that there's no reason to think that they can't. So, you know, we'll break it down here in a second. But um, any other thoughts, Colton, on the Jags game before we move on? I know um, we can talk about them on the other side of the break here. Um, Amon Ra's play continues to rocket up the charts. I don't know what is actual, but some of these stats that he's piling up uh, continue to be crazy. Yeah, we'll pull some of these out, but I mean, he's probably the the MVP of this team right yeah, now. Yeah, that's a good point. The way he's playing is really, you know, he's helped golf so much in a lot of ways. Um, they're getting contributions from so many players, like James Houston continues to do his thing. Oh, yeah. Um, so I just thought that was a good game for a lot of these dudes on this team, and in the locker room, they were kind of like, "Yeah, this is what we expected." It, like, it's, yeah, <laughs> it, they so they weren't bumping the. Yeah. I mean, I don't even think music was playing when I walked in there. Actually, it was just probably like not. Yeah, they had just gone about it. This they point, were having like, a time. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Okay, we'll take a break here quick uh, and come back on the other side and we'll talk uh, Lions Vikings. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach is wasting the time of both the buyer and seller at every stage, especially when sellers are using shallow and outdated data. Your organization can overcome these challenges with technology that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to better outcomes, like more pipeline, higher win rates, and larger deals. We call this Deep Sales, and we've built the first Deep Sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash maze23. That is linkedin.com slash maze23 for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash maze23 and get started. All right, everybody, we're back. Break down some Lions Vikings here in a not meaningless game for a change in December. I don't know if there'll be snow, but either way, 
Lions Vikings week three game Colton uh, was an interesting one. You were there. I I actually went back and watched all of it this week. Um, the Lions had the game like where they wanted it twice. It was fourteen nothing, and then I think they were up again, maybe ten or maybe fourteen. Uh, but I also didn't think they played great in that game either. I don't think it was the best they've played. Um, interesting game here. Uh, the Vikings are a good team. They've obviously they're ten and they've won these games, but it, it, this is not a good division, and I think that's part of the reason why they are where they are. Uh, initial thoughts from you on this one, as as you see it. Yeah, I mean the Vikings have proven to be a good team when you yeah when you solid go, team. When you go ten and two, like you're a good team, but. They have gotten away with a lot of these close wins, and it does feel like they're they're almost due in a way. Like I yeah. said, the same thing after the Giants game. Giants, like, the yeah. Gi- that didn't feel sustainable. Not that the Vikings aren't a, you know aren't a good team. It's just like you're due for a close loss at some point, right? Like they've mm-hmm. won however many games in a row now, um, and I, and the Lions are actually favored in this game, Nick. I don't know. If you I know <laughs> two and a half point favorites over a ten and two team. <laughs> where, where are we? What are we doing? What the right hell? Now? Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I think that also speaks to like how well the Lions are playing. Yeah. Um, they're at home, so that probably factors into that a little bit. But um, I think it'll be another competitive game. You know, the Lions probably should have won the first time around. Um, Dan Campbell said, I think Wednesday, that uh, that decision to kick the field goal you know, <laughs> burns at him every single day and will continue for the rest of his life until he dies. I think is what he said. I mean, so, yeah, it should probably. <laughs> That's a decision that continues to haunt him. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny though, because he said that, and then he's like, I try I try not to dwell on it too much. And then he got like four more questions about it after that. And he's like, guys, what did I just say? I'm not trying to dwell. <laughs> it was hilarious. Yeah. I was, I was what did I just say? I just stayed yeah. up last night till five in the morning thinking about it. <laughs> it's like, thanks for reminding me, guys. Right, yeah. Um, but that's a game that, you know, that was there's a lot of talk after that one. Like mm-hmm. people were ready to fire Campbell oh, after God, that yeah. one. Um, and that was what, week week three? Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Yeah. So, we've come a long way since then. A lot has changed, right? A lot has changed. I think that that's what I would say, like, and that's the interesting thing, and I want to see how this goes for the Lions, because that game defensively, um, they were still having all sorts of problems. And the health of the team was not, they're healthier today, believe it or not, than they were in week three. Um, But, you know, they were still playing Amani. At that time, he was still starting at corner, and Jerry Jacobs that was wasn't. Game Tracy went down too, and Tracy got hurt in that game, and he only played. Look, I got it here, eight snaps. So that yeah. and that, you know, that, so now you're a sudden change, losing him. That's a huge deal. You yeah. don't know what to do. Like so, that's a deal. And then you're also still struggling with Amani. The biggest thing, though, I think, um, you know, those things have changed. The secondary is in such great shape in terms of health and confidence and all that. But the biggest difference in this game, I think, is the Lions in that game got carved up up front whenever Minnesota wanted to do it because they were still playing that attacking, you know, we're either slanting hard left or we're slanting hard right up front on every snap because he's bringing pressure or he's doing this and he's trying to create, you know, these lanes for guys. And they were just getting, you know, inside, outside zone to death. It was just Delvin Cook this way and he'd make a cut because if you're slanting and he's just waving against you, it's all, you know, it's easy money. They've changed. The lions have changed the way they play defense. I wrote about a little bit this week. Um, It's not every snap. It's not every whatever. They still play a lot of single high. They still play a lot of man and, you know, Glenn still blitzes. Uh, It's not that they don't. I was more than I think I probably thought, um, frankly, and, you know, give him credit for that. I don't think he totally backed off. 
from some of the stuff that I thought he would have to back off on. However, they did smartly change the way that they have asked those interior dudes to play blocks. And it's working because you forget how athletic Aleem McNeil is. You forget that you don't need him to just... He can put his hands under a dude's chest and just root him out of there. But he can also... One arm and then play it, you know, play a block while he's playing the ball. And so they're playing a little bit more, I don't know if I would call it gap and a half, but I mean, I think it's a little bit more of the make a read, then play the block and then play the ball. And it's slowing everything down. You're seeing guys get downhill a little easier. I think if the Lions in this game can fit the run a little better and take away that easy, like, because that's what the Vikings do to you. They just bleed you with those little zone plays and then Cousins, who isn't, what we would call a great quarterback in the NFL just makes pedestrian solid throws off play action and you, you know, and they soundly beat you. If the Lions in this game can play solid run defense better because we've seen better run defense, this becomes, I can understand why maybe they're favored at home. Right. And then you just said it, Vikings are maybe due for a loss in a close game. Like there's a lot of changes the Lions have made as a team defensively. But I'm curious to see how that plays out, especially and also personnel. Jerry didn't play in this game. Yep. Um, Jeff's grown as a player, right? I mean, a lot mm-hmm. has changed. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm thinking back to that game, and I just remember, yeah, Cook just doing whatever he yeah. wanted, giving yeah. tr- like five. They averaged five yards of carry in that game, so you saw it. Too. A lot of it was literally just like, all right, do your thing, run mm-hmm. here, run there. Like you, you have it against this defense, and so I'm thinking. A guy like Josh Pascal, who can help yep. you in a lot of ways. He can funnel things back in, in, inside for some of these other dudes to make plays. Um, we've seen Aleem McNeil take these steps, like you just mentioned. Um, some of the defensive changes up front. But also, you know, when they lost Tracy in that game, and they put, I think they put Juju Hughes in at that time. And yes. That was probably, you know, I think Kirby okay. wasn't ready. In the moment. At that point. Yep. What do yeah, you do, they right? They just had to make, yeah. who's your most game-ready guy at that point is Juju. Uh, we haven't seen much of him since, but... That's because Kirby's taken the step and he's kind of taken that position and has run with it. And now, you know, that last touchdown that they gave up, like that it seemed like there was a miscommunication right. there and right. some issues in the back half. Like they seem to have sorted a lot of those issues out. Like Aaron Glenn and, and Campbell both say like the communication on the back end in the secondary is so much better between Deshaun, between Kirby, the DBs. Like they're kind of on the same page right now. Yes. I think that, you know, a lot of that might have to do with you know, Aubrey Pleasant, like they, that was one thing they kept mentioning, right? Like the mm-hmm. communication needs to be better. We need to be on the same page. And now they're all saying the communication is better. We're on the same page. Yeah, something so, worked. Yeah. Yeah, something clicked, something worked. So I think they feel more confident about the back half. Not that Cousins was exactly lighting things up that game, but, you know, I think those late game situations, like that was a tough spot for them in that game. And I feel like they'll be more prepared for it this time around. So when you're looking at the defense, like, yeah, a lot has changed. Mm-hmm. They've gotten some pieces. Jerry didn't play in that game, as you mentioned. Now he's back. He's kind of solidified that CB2 spot. Um, you know, Jeff is still Jeff. So they've got some pieces around that might be, you know, they might be better equipped to handle this Vikings offense. Um, you might still have your issues against a guy like Justin Jefferson. Right. Who doesn't, right? So 100%. And you, you can contain you, yeah. him or do what you, you know, let him do his thing, and then you bottle everything else. It might be a, a, a winning recipe if they can kind of figure some things out here. And, and and that'll be the difference is like, and if you get beat in a game by, you know, Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook just being dudes, like, okay. And if yeah. that's what happens, then that's what happens. But, you know, that's not what happened the first time. You know, you know what I mean? And I think that that's what Campbell is saying because they were, you know, defensively, 
like you just said, Colton, they were due every week with or without Tracy. Uh, a horrible, what the hell was that? Like, why did you just let up a 70-yard play? What's going on? Like, yeah. now they're not. Like, if they're getting beat, Campbell calls it, I've always called it the long way. Campbell calls it the long, hard way. Like, make them take the long road, the longest way possible. Make them run. If they want to run on first down, make them go three and a half every single time, okay? Like, if they're going to beat you, make their talent actually work for it. That's what they do on defense now. It's not yeah. anything different. It's not anything special or crazy. They're giving themselves little tweaks here and there. They're giving themselves a little bit more room for error. And then they're just hang on, hanging on. Like, I think that that's been the biggest difference. And that's what we've seen the change. And I am, you know, I am curious. How do you play a team that kind of beats you on its fundamental? Because that's what Minnesota does. They, Cousins is a, when he's right, a really fundamentally sound. He makes good decisions with the ball. The offense works for what he can do. Dalvin is awesome. Jefferson is impossible to cover. And the defense does what it's supposed to do. And they're hard to beat. If you can beat a team that's hard to beat, then we've seen more graduation here. And I think that that's what you're, that's what you're looking for. No gimmies. Play them even. Play them straight. See what happens. And, you know, sometimes you lose the Bills game. You know, I mean, did they give them any gimmies in that game? Maybe, maybe. But, like, it, I don't, if we look back at that game, I feel like you just got beat by a team that's better. And if that's yeah. all that happens at this point, okay. But that's all it can be now when we go forward and, and you look at these games. And I think that's probably the difference. It's hard to explain that or like see it, but I think you kind of know what, you know, you know what I mean? When you see it on the field. Yeah, for sure. Another thing I thought was just important to note from this Vikings game is that uh, at least the one in September, I should say yeah, that, the Lions weren't entirely healthy. I know we mentioned At Tracy, all. but also yeah. St. Brown, I think That's was what I was gonna say. Up. he was in yep. and out. Uh, Swift only had like eight touches or something in that game. Not a lot. Mm-hmm. I think that was I think the line was deal also with the ankle stuff yep. and shoulder injury. So yeah. that was not um, you know, that it wasn't a situation like now where all the kids no. are healthy in the I think Frank was so. even a little banged up at that point too, right? Yeah. They had some offensive line stuff that they were yeah. dealing with too. So I mean, they're healthier now. Like they got their horses. Like yeah, that's across the horse. Very small. <laughs> speaking of that. speaking of the horses, uh, and we mentioned on the, uh, before the break there, um, Saint Brown, and I know you have uh, some stats and some numbers, uh, and there's a lot with him um, across the board because it's just. And I wrote about it this week. Like the biggest thing that they have offensively for them, he's their best player. I think um, he's their. Mm-hmm. Most valuable player, we'll say, right? Like that's what Most you valuable. said. It. Um, like Panay or Frank are the guys that are that I would call their best players. But you know, he is. They are a difficult team to deal with when he's on the field. It's not just he's the guy like it used to be, and that was the difference last year. Was he's the guy they trust the most? He was the guy that's not going to drop the ball. He's the guy that's going to run the right route, right? Like that's that's what it was. And now it's become. Like when he's on the field on third and medium, they are a problem because what the hell are you going to do? They yeah. will run the ball and they'll run it out of anything. Or if you want to play, you know, whatever, if you want to load the blocks, play man. I mean, he is hard to cover in these spots, in these moments, a really good football player in all areas. Like that's, I'm in Ross St. Brown. I tell you all the time, Colton, to me, he's the definition of a professional athlete. He is like <laughs> good at everything, which makes him a great player in my opinion. Yes. And I think that that's, he's the example of that. Um, what are some of these numbers that you found here? 
Yeah. Oh, well, I want to give credit to uh, one of our stats guys, Aaron Absolutely, Reese, yeah. for uh, Aaron's sending great. this to me. Because these are awesome stats, and it kind of paints the picture for you. So, mm-hmm. first up, when St. Brown has played more than 50% of the line snaps, which were weeks 1-3 to three and 8-13, to 13, Detroit has averaged 2.7 points per drive and converted 44.7% of third downs. Which is good. Over the course of the full season, that third down conversion rate would rank 7th in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And the points per drive would rank second. So second best <laughs> offense in the league. When he's when on the Brown field. plays more than 50% of the snaps. Um, the next one, when St. Brown didn't play more than 50% of the snaps, weeks five and seven, Detroit averaged 0.29 points per drive. Man. And converted 33.3% of third downs. Over the course of that whole season, the third down conversion rate would rank 29th yeah. in the NFL. And the points per drive would rank dead last. A few more. St. Brown's 21st, 21st down receptions on third and fourth down ties Justin Jefferson yep. for the league lead. Um, St. Brown leads the league in first downs per third and fourth down route. That's my favorite. 15.2%. And then the last two, Jared Goff with Amorossi Brown on the field. Uh, <laughs> his EPA per drop back, which is basically uh, you know expected points yep. added in efficiency stat, um, that would rank fourth in the NFL. Fourth of all qualified quarterbacks. <laughs> Jared Goff is the fourth best quarterback in the NFL. When, when he's Amara on the field. Brown, it's yeah. on the field. When Amarase Brown is not on the field, he is the 30th out of 32 quarterbacks. That just tells you everything you need to know. That he's, I know, and I, uh, this is not to yeah. you know, get on Goff because he's been no. this year. Yeah. But that just shows you the impact of Amarase Brown mm-hmm. when he's healthy, when he's on the field. Just what he provides his offense, the kind of the safety net, like just what yes. he does for Jared Goff, just knowing where he's going to be. You need a, you need a third third down and seven. You need a first down. You throw it to him. He's going to be open. He's going to find a way to make it happen for you. And mm-hmm. that's what we've seen this year. And those numbers back it up. And then some. It's kind of absurd when I was. It's it, it really is, and it <laughs> actually gets more absurd when you think about it because some of that is a little with with a lot of guys in that case. It would be very skewed because you'd say, well, they run the offense for him. Like he he's the focal point of the offense, right? He's like. The guy, if we just took the name off those stats and we said, who is this player we're talking about? You'd be like, well, it's like Calvin Johnson or Randy Moss or something like this. They're running the offense for him. And to a degree, that's true. Like the Lions are running stuff on third down for for St. Brown and and they're doing a lot for him. But like also to a degree, it's not true. Like to a degree that he just does something good every play, whether it's for him or not for him. He's always there. Like you said, Colton, like, and it's even down to... You know, they're not afraid to take him off the field when they want to run the ball on third down because they know he, he'll he block. They know that if they want to motion him across the formation and say, we want you to pick up an end, an end here, he'll do it. Or go hit a linebacker, he will do it. And, like, that's the difference when we get into the efficiency numbers, not just for Goff, but for the whole offense. Because everything improves when he's on the field. You see it. Yeah. You, in those games this season when he wasn't. I think, actually, the Minnesota game or the Dallas game, there was one where he – he made like three catches in a row, and he he wasn't right. He was hurt, um, but and he got up, and it looked like he was gonna puke like on the field. <laughs> and they they were like, "Oh God, I guess we gotta take you out." And he's like, "Shit!" And then they just fell apart. Like everything after that, yeah. just like the drive just collapsed. And it's like, "Oh my God!" Like this guy's so valuable in so many understated ways, and that yes. is, I think, the greatness of Amon Ross St. Brown, and that's why he's like perfect for everything they do. He really is, and yep. and again, he's not the biggest, he's not the fastest, <laughs> but he just he's a football player. I think that's uh, probably yeah, the easiest way, the way to say it. But like, 
God. He's a perfect Dan Campbell guy. He's he's tough as shit. You see him catch that ball over the middle in the Jaguars oh, game. Oh God! Got yeah. the nip, got the wind knocked out of him a little bit, and then just popped back up like seconds later and ran off the field and was yeah. back in the game like two plays after that. The one uh, that he bobbled and caught is cr- the, that, that one. That one was absurd. <laughs> I still don't know how he made that catch. And that then was crazy. We were like, "There's it's gonna who, who tweeted that that they were like it's gonna come out later that that's a, actually a route that he practices." <laughs> <laughs> That he catches like 80 times off the jugs. He has yeah. somebody bobble it for him. Which is yeah. like, okay, yeah, it's probably not wrong. But I don't know, I mean, man. It's an interesting dude. group here at this point. And, you know, offensively, um, I think that's the number one thing that's carried them through. The defense has fixed a lot of their issues. And when you look back at that game against Minnesota, that was part of the problem. But offensively, too, like you mentioned, the line was still a little... I think some guys were overcoming some things. I don't. I think that was either the game where St. Brown got hurt or had been hurt going in. So he, I think he played, but it was like he was. He probably shouldn't have been playing. He was not one hundred percent. Yeah, I think he sprained his ankle or something like that. One of those. Like there was a couple yeah. games in there where it was like he was on the field where you were like hey, he probably shouldn't be out there. But if he wasn't, they would not be able to move the ball. So yeah. he has to be. But now, right? TJ's not there. He's on the other side. Say- we haven't brought up old friend TJ Hawkinson. <laughs> okay, that's actually a good segue. Let's talk about TJ for a second because um, it's a good it's a good time to bring up what also he's done. And I have his sheet here open because uh, I think he's played pretty well since he's been over there. Um, yeah, he's got uh, what does he have on the season? I've got the wrong sheet up, but I think he has produced right, Colton. He's been what mm-hmm. they've wanted from him. He's fit their offense. And I think he fits what they want to do better than what the Lions want to do. And I think that's why when I look back at the trade now, even at the time, I feel like it was like, I like the trade for both teams. I like what TJ can do in a, it's not totally vanilla, but a vanilla-ish run game that is all about setting up play action because that's his whole game. That's what he's about. But you take him out of the Lions picture and we've seen all the different things now, the Lions have been able to do, we've seen different formations that they've been able to rely more on. We've seen James Mitchell. We've seen Zilstra. We've seen Brock Wright. We've seen those reps go to other guys. It's really, it's helped. Has it not? I mean, I, it's definitely yep. helped. It's had a, it's had a, they have been able to, and Jared Goff, I think, is a big part of that. We'll talk about that in a second. But the Lions without TJ Hawkinson has been probably what they hoped it would be. And it's not a cut to TJ. It's not a diss on him. I don't think anybody dislikes him or disliked him. I don't think he was anybody's best friend either. I don't want to get that twisted. But like, they're you know that's why I think it worked for both sides. That's why I think nobody here was worried about trading in division. You know what I mean? When you look, yeah. I mean, when they made that trade, to me, it's like if if that was the best offer on the table, you get some draft draft assets and improve your capital. Yep, and it helps him too. Yeah, ten times out of ten, like that's. I feel like we're so obsessed with like these win-win trades, and I even saw this on Twitter yesterday talking about the Stafford golf tweet. People are saying now oh, golf is better than Stafford. I'm just like, get out of here, man! Like, Jesus Christ. we live in a society now where everything has to be. Oh well, who's a clear winner on this? It doesn't have to be that way. Like, no. it can work out for both teams. The Lions got what they wanted out of that trade. Now yep. they have all these assets they can work with. They can move around. They can trade up, trade down, whatever they want to do. Um, the Vikings got another piece for their offense at, for a team that's trying to make a deep playoff run. Yeah. They had they didn't it have has a tight the goods end. Like to do Irv, it. Irv Smith got hurt. Mm-hmm. They needed a tight end. And they tra- they made a move for one of the better receiving tight ends in the game. And you're seeing what he's doing on the field. Like he seems like he's already got a good relationship with yeah. Cousins. It's a good fit. Um, perfect fit in that offense, right? And it, it's fine. Like 
it doesn't have to be a oh well we should have re-signed him if he's playing like that right because he, he would not have had that same impact on this offense and what the Lions want to do and what I've seen since then I think it was might have been the first game after that trade or maybe the game in between there but um you know they had three tight ends working they had Zilstra they had um Mitchell and they had Brock Wright all doing their things like yeah Mitchell caught a touchdown uh, a week later you know Brock Wright did this thing like they like they're all involved they're all in, involved in the running game um with their blocking i thought zilstra this past week had a really good blocking game against the jaguars i thought he was really involved there and i like that they're using these guys in different ways and they're just throwing them at you and saying 100 like, this guy can give us this this guy can give us that and it's not so dependent on just one guy and saying all right tj like go out do your thing because you yeah. know what tj hawkinson is going to do to you and what he gives you but now you can throw three different guys at you with different skill sets. I think that's pretty cool. And I think it's pretty versatile. And, you know, who knows? They still might draft another tight end to add to that mix. I think um, they will, so yeah. They've got some options, you know. So And I don't I, – and I, I think that sometimes I always feel bad when I write, like, about TJ because it's like – you know, I, I write, like, when he's not there, you don't have to worry about his targets. You don't have to worry about getting him touches. And people sometimes, I think, take that as, like, well, what does that mean? He was selfish? He was in there demanding – the ball all the time. And it's like, well, no, but he is a good, talented, like you said, Colton, he's one of the better route running, you know, for his size tight ends in the league. You owe it to him to get him targets and get him the ball. Like you owe it to, if he's going to be on your team and you're going to pay him all this money, like you Especially owe it. Especially when you draft a Mayfield. Right. Too, you owe it so. to everybody around you to have him as a focal point of what you're doing. And to, to people don't look at, we look at, now we've changed as a as a football watcher community, we'll say, where we just look at players. We don't look at their situations. We don't look at the team. We don't look at what's around them. We don't look at, you know, how this guy blocks compared to how that, you know, we don't look at that. We just look at, like, what's his actual value right here and now in a vacuum, like you were saying. Yeah. And when you, when you get rid of all that and just look at, like, the actual fit and you take a good player – who doesn't necessarily fit an offense anymore and you move them out of it, it opens up everything for a lot of other not as good but potentially good players who will give you more in run blocking, who will allow you to do different stuff with run blocking and not be afraid to do it. Like, I'm sorry, that's when they ask TJ Hawkinson, who's trying to get paid, whatever he's trying to get paid, to to run across the line and give his body to a 290-pound edge with no care. In the, I don't know how hard he's going to do. Brock Wright's going to do it. <laughs> okay. Zolstra's going to do it. And so is Mitchell. Because they don't These have guys are hungry. They have to. Yeah. yeah. Like, and <laughs> I don't want that to come across that like that's a slight to TJ. Because it shouldn't be. And he's a good, you know, and I think that I've even come over the years of looking at him. Like, I still think he should be a better run blocker than he is. But I understand why he's not. Because the way he's going to make his money is exactly what he's doing right now. He's not on the team anymore. He doesn't really fit what they did. They didn't draft him. It's a great trade. I think that when we look back at it, too many people were way too quick to just say, the Vikings fleeced the Lions way here. Way too quick. And it's like, Jesus, guys. Like, you've got to stop with these immediate... That has actually become just I as bad as the draft grades, the immediate draft grades, oh, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Where you're like, how are you supposed to draft grade? Like, we've never seen him play. Like, what's He's been hell? on the team for yeah. 20 seconds. 20 he hasn't minutes. even signed his contract yet. <laughs> yeah, but you're right. The immediate trade grade, this is a great example because if I think we look back at it now, you'd say like, man, this really worked out for both sides. I think TJ's playing well. He fits what they want to do. Maybe they resign him. I don't know. Like, 
uh, that could be a situation there where they're we're willing to give up the second rounder because we think he fits what we want to do long term really well, and that could be the case. And it might be something where you just say this in even five ten years down the road, we say this is a great trade. Maybe not. Maybe TJ's it's, a Hall of Famer, <laughs> and the Lions really screwed themselves. But, but at the time, for, you get it right for where they are right now as a franchise. It didn't make sense to sign them to like no, a, you know, never four year no. sixty million dollar contract. Like that's not where their best resources should be spent. Right. Um, this frees up nine and a half million for next year, even so they can use that money to target other players that can help them in other ways. So I thought it was a win win. You get the you get some extra money, you get some draft capital, and um, TJ gets to be on offense where. Yeah, they're planning on using him the way that he probably should be used. And it's I gotta I I'd be fascinated. I'm sure some guys will go over there and talk to him after the game. Um, I'd be fascinated to know his real like when he left. He was like they were one in five, one four, whatever it was. They're bad, right? Yeah, yeah. He didn't talk shit. I wouldn't say, but he didn't not. He did that TJ thing where he's like, I didn't really want to be there anyway, kind of thing, where he was like, I knew I was going to get traded. And like, I'm just glad to not be on a crap team. It, it had that air to it. You know, know what I mean? I missed that, but I believe it. Yeah. So I don't know. I would be very fascinated to see. But it also could have just been bullshit because it's TJ and he just was talking. I just and like I, how he tweeted, I'm he's happy to be back in the Midwest. And I'm like, bro, you were in the Midwest. <laughs> well, that is really a TJ thing to say, if nothing else. And that's probably like the most genuine. He didn't go, oh, whatever. I thought the Detroit's the North, right? I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> but in any event, uh, yeah, I think that was a good trade. I think it's worked out well. I hope TJ doesn't get booed because um, he did give no, everything no. he had to the Lions um, when he was here. It wasn't his fault that he got drafted sixth overall. Wasn't his fault that any of that, you know, that Campbell, and he gave everything he had. And there were stretches um, early in 2021 where I was like, you know, because he dropped a lot of weight. And at first I remember being like, what is he doing? This is not going to work well because of all. But when he's healthy and he's right, like TJ has had flashes where it's like, okay, he's better than I thought as a route runner or a pass catcher or whatever. So, you know. I get it. I get it on all sides. I hope nobody has horrible ill will. I don't think they do. I don't. I don't sense I don't so. that. Yeah. Um. I. I think all parties have respect for one another. I think you'll see a lot of hugs and smiles and jersey trading there probably after the game. I would assume. Yeah. Uh. I don't know if Campbell and TJ. Maybe they will. Who knows? I. Don't, I think that it's all good there. But. Um, yeah. I don't know. We got anything else here on the Lions Vikings for right now? Nah. Should be a good game. I'm excited for it. Yes. Should be a good game indeed. We'll be there to check it out. Uh, and obviously next week we'll be back here to break it all down. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. For Colton, I'm Nick. We get to each other, and we'll talk to you later. Hey, hey. hey football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.